0: Probably one of the most confusing subjects for a lot of Americans is the college savings arena and student loans and all these different things. What I find is a lot of people start looking in this when it's too late for their own kids. But I work with a lot of grandparents that are interested in helping out grandkids, and I can't think of a better gift than education. And our federal government encourages it with 529 plans. So today, we have a 529 expert, Jeff Roach. He has worked with many different mutual fund companies. He's had a diverse background in many different types of investments, insurance, real estate. But over the last several years, he has been training other advisors on the intricacies of a 529. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to educate people on what's available with 529s and why people should be considering them to help with the college savings burn. And I know when we look at student loans right now, they're reaching a trillion dollars. We're reaching record levels that we've never seen before. Maybe a little bit of pre-planning can help alleviate some of that debt for our kids. So Jeff, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Why don't we just start out with just the simple basic, what is a 529 college savings plan?
1: Absolutely. Now, a 529 college savings plan is actually named after section 529 in the Internal Revenue Code. It's designed to help individuals and families help pay for college. Traditionally, what you'll find is it is an agreement between a specific state and an investment manager. They offer the product. So each individual state, or I believe 48 of the 50, offer their own version of the 529, which you're gonna find are some similar characteristics that are gonna be the same across the board. And then each state has kind of made some minor tweaks to their specific plan to make it their own. Now,
0: I know each state, as you mentioned, has a different program, and I know some states even have more than one. I know here, where I am in in Wisconsin, they have a state-sponsored plan that you can do direct and one through an advisor. Now, I'm biased. I'm an advisor, but it's come from experience. I know working with an advisor probably is real helpful in this area, because as we go through some of these details, I think people are going to find there's a lot of questions, and today we're giving you a general overview. Obviously, every state's a little bit different, and you have the ability to pick any state's program. So let's talk about what are some of the advantages of open a 529 plan.
1: Absolutely. Regardless of which plan you use, you're going to find your three major advantages. The first are the tax advantage, the second are flexibility, and the third is the control. Let's start with the tax advantages because that's the advantage that most people tend to gravitate towards. When you contribute to a 529, the money goes in post-tax. You're going to find it's going to have tax-deferred growth and if you use the money to pay for college or vocational school, the money is going to come out tax-free. So right off the bat, you get your tax advantages. In addition, there's going to be some flexibility. Anybody can contribute. There are no income requirements in terms of being able to make a contribution. There are some flexibility in terms of the amount of money you can gift. Also, you can use this at any school nationwide, and you can use it at some schools internationally as well. And finally, the level of control. You control the assets. When You put the money in, it's gone down as a completed gift do have the ability to change the beneficiary, and you do control how much money the individual would get at any given time. So those are the three major advantages, the tax advantages, the flexibility, and the control.
0: Yeah, and that's the same no matter what type of program you pick. You talk about the tax advantage that's on the federal level. Now, there may also be some state tax advantages, but then you have to use the state program. They vary from state to state, and that's something that we could spend three hours talking about all the differences of those. But no matter what plan you pick, you get those federal tax advantages. Let's talk about who can open a 529 college savings plan.
1: Certainly. Now, anybody can open an account, but the control of the account relies in the person who is the account owner. So, that account owner has the ability to name the beneficiary. The account owner gets to pick the investments, how much money is going in. They determine if they're going to make up to two investment changes per year. They're going to initiate any distributions. They have the ability to change the beneficiary at any time if that first beneficiary gets a scholarship or decides not to go to school or for any reason for that matter. So anybody can open it, but the person that does is in control of the plan.
0: Now I must emphasize, unlike a custodial plan, where you might open an account for a child, once that's kind of open, you really don't technically have a lot of flexibility with it. So being able to change beneficiaries, now again, depending on the plan, there may be some restrictions as far as who you can change a beneficiary for, but basically any family member it can be changed to. And there might be some restrictions outside the family, but that's something you need to check with your advisor on. Let's talk about who can contribute to a 529 college savings plan.
1: Absolutely. Now anybody can contribute to the plan. As I mentioned before, it's the account owner that has control. But in fact, the 529s, they act like magnets for the extended family. Because if you express your intention at birthday parties and events like that, that you're not looking for gifts, but you're looking for contributions into the existing 529 plan, well, then anybody has the ability to make those contributions into those 529s.
0: Yeah, i tell you, that's probably the most awesome thing. I've been in practice for a long time, and I don't know, when did those 529s come out? Probably 10, 12 years ago?
1: I believe it was 2001 is when they first started coming out
0: okay so that's 14 years ago and the thing that I see a lot of families when they start out and they start having kids and the young kids are at home most of those families are really strapped when it comes to cash not always but a lot of times that seems to be the case and what I found is a terrific tool grandparents love their grandkids and what sickens a lot of them is they'll give them a toy and they don't even remember who they got it from and it's broken or whatever and it's not as meaningful to them and a lot of grandparents feel there's no greater gift to give than that of education and being able to have that control and being able to move assets to someone else gives them the peace of mind even though you might be making that decision early on in someone's lifetime to set up a college fund and college isn't for everybody having that ability to have those funds available for other grandkids is something that's really attractive but one thing I found a lot of these accounts in today's world with all the compliance and paperwork and everything else the minimums to open an account aren't necessarily as easy for a younger family starting out to get into. I know a lot of accounts now have $500 or $1,000 minimum to start out or a $50 a month commitment. Let's face it, for some younger families, that's difficult. But for grandparents, a lot of times, even just to plant the seed money to open that account, to make it available for all the friends and family to contribute, because most of them don't know what to get these kids these days, Well, why not make a gift to their education at Christmas or the holidays or birthdays? It's just a great tool. Have you found that that to be the case, Jeff? You see a lot of that where families are working together to contribute for one child's education or many kids' education?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I can use myself as an example. I have a nine-month-old daughter named Mia, and at Christmas time this year, she was flooded with all kinds of toys. And what I found is the toy usually ended up in the trash. She fell in love with the box. We had multiple doubles of the same toy, and she was no closer to having any money saved for her education. In a perfect world, what I would have done is identify this ahead of time. Let everybody know that we would appreciate a contribution to our 529 savings account as a primary gift. And if they want to get her a little toy as a secondary, that would be fine. This way here, our house wouldn't be flooded with a bunch of broken toys, but her 529 account would be
0: flooded. What's funny, you talk about the lawyer that has no will or the cobbler's kids that have no shoes. We all make the same mistakes. No matter how much expertise we have, sometimes we forget to take care of those details in our own households. I appreciate you sharing that. So anybody can set this up. Anybody can contribute to it. I got to implore people, it's such a fantastic thing to do. And if you start out with a newborn and everybody's just putting in 50 bucks at a time at different special occasions, man, if those kids go to college, they have a great jump start. In some cases, they might even have enough to cover all the schooling. And the fact that the parents or the grandparents can stay and control those funds, if the kids decide to go off the deep end a little bit and don't apply toward their studies, there's no rights for those children to demand payment you make sure that that money goes what it's intended for. And I think that's one of the most awesome things is that control thing. You're Um,
1: absolutely right. We used to joke back in Boston is that if you're thinking Yale and they end up in jail you're not locked into that money, you can always try to give it to another family member who may be more on the course.
0: Absolutely. That's awesome. I love that saying. (laughs) We can learn from the people in Boston. So let's talk about what can you use the 529 college savings account for? I know that's probably one of the biggest questions I get from clients. Can we use it for their airfare to be an exchange student?
1: Right off the bat, unfortunately, I learned the hard way that you can't use it for your education transportation. Because if you could have, I certainly would have gone to the University of Hawaii as opposed to a small school in Connecticut. But in all seriousness, what you can use the 529 plan for is your traditional route, your colleges and your universities. But one of the lesser known avenues you can use the 529 for is for vocational schools, extended training, trade schools. Because the majority of people, they say, well, what happens if my kid doesn't go to college? because college isn't for everybody, but there are very few opportunities out there in today's world that you can go right from high school into a job with zero training. Even your electricians or plumbers or mechanics, they need to go to that trade school to build up that craft and get that type of training before they're up and running. The 529 can also be used for that. So just because your child is not thinking the traditional liberal arts education doesn't mean they're not going to need some sort of specialized training, and the 529 can cover either
0: way hey we're going to take a short break and let's get into some more details on what's qualified to be paid for and what we got to stick away from so please stay tuned
2: i'm boomer esiason you know many people don't realize the road to becoming an mvp quarterback and sportscaster wasn't always that easy my mom died when i was just seven and our family's life changed in an instant all the responsibilities for supporting us financially and taking care of our family fell right onto my dad's shoulders yeah, of course, there were times we relied on neighbors and relatives to help us through, and I know that things would have been so much different had my mom had life insurance. And that's why I made getting life insurance a priority when I got drafted into the pros. It gives me peace of mind knowing that if something does happen to me, my family will be okay financially. But today, 95 million adult Americans don't have this financial safety net. By sharing my story, I hope more people will think about not leaving their family's future to chance. Let's face it, folks, life happens. To learn more about life insurance and how to protect your loved ones, visit lifehappens.org. A public service message from Life Happens, a nonprofit organization.
0: Welcome back as we continue to visit with Father of a nine month old, Jeff Roach, who is over the last several years has made it his passion to be an expert and helps train financial advisors on how to do a better job for their clients when it comes to talking about college savings 529 plans. Before the break, we were talking about one of the big misconceptions out there. People think that kids have to go to a four year formal college. One of the things we're hearing a lot of is these kids are coming out of college without the skills to get a job. And yet at the same time, I know I've had a guest with Manpower on several times and he talks about the need for plumbers and electricians and welders and there's nobody available that are getting trained in these skilled jobs. And you were saying before the break, those vocational schools also can qualify. What are some of the other qualified educational expenses? What about books or computers or other things like that? Can that be used, the money from the 529 to pay for those kind of things?
1: Absolutely. I mean, traditionally we you'll find it's going to cover your tuition, your room and board, your books, equipment, and any fees. Now, you mentioned computers, that's actually an interesting one. Right now, it will allow to pay for the computer, but only if the school requires you to have a computer. There's actually a motion going on in Congress right now to have it so that the 529 always is able to pay for computers across the board. So that's something that they're working to change right now because they've identified that a computer is very critical to the education process and you shouldn't be limited by whether the school requires you. You should be able to have one at any given point.
0: I know my kids just graduated from college and I know all their assignments for most of their teachers, even though they weren't required to have a computer, they had to email their assignments in by a certain time.
1: Right. Yeah, that's just kind of the way of the future and it looks like they're taking the necessary steps to make sure the 529s are going to be relevant in today's world.
0: Now, what are some of the things you come across that people think should be covered but are
1: not? The transportation is something... That you hear all the time that should be covered, but it doesn't seem like that's something that they're going to do right now. Right now, it's designed to have the things that are necessary in order to be part of the school. Like I said, it's the tuition, the room, the board, the books, a couple of extracurriculars. I had somebody ask me, what if their child was going to go to Ireland on a tour of the city to practice the recorder because they were a music major? That didn't fly either, but there are your traditional ways to use it, and, and there are some people that try to think outside the box. But as a safe bet, stick to the format. Tuition, room, board, books, education, and fees
0: and I do know in the past exchange students some of that stuff could be covered but it had to be some type of formal exchange program for it to work so the big thing is you wanna stay on top of this don't assume from this program something is or isn't covered because the rules can change as you get closer to school time it's important before you make that withdrawal to make sure that it's gonna be a covered expense so you don't have a surprise let's talk about what if the beneficiary does not go to college
1: Certainly. And this is something that comes up a lot because like we talked about earlier, people are concerned that you know some people just aren't built for college. So if the vocational route doesn't work, you have a couple of different options. The first is you can change the beneficiary to another member of the family. And this way here, it allows you to keep the tax advantages in check. It allows them to continue. Or... If you've exhausted all the existing family members, you're able to take a distribution, pay a 10% penalty, and income taxes on the earnings only. So, in essence, if you put $50,000 in a 529 and it grows to 100, well, 50% of that is principal, 50% of that is earnings, so you'd only be taxed and penalized on the
0: earnings portion of that. And one thing is, and we're not here to spend a lot of time on it, but if you do the math, Having the ability to grow money in a tax-deferred basis really gives money a chance. Don't let just the penalty stop you. Do the math on it if you're concerned about it. But you know, the biggest thing is you can change beneficiaries. So, one question I know I've got a lot of clients who are school teachers and other professions where they have to take continuing education. And I've got a lot of school teachers taking advantage of the 529 plan, and they might even be in their forties or fifties. So it is something that can be held for a long time and used at a later date, when the kids might be at a position where maybe they're thinking, maybe I got to go back to school, you can hold that money there and you're still not paying taxes on it until you draw it out, right? Absolutely. That's right. Let's talk about how much you can invest in a 529 college savings plan.
1: In regards to how much you can invest, it actually varies on a plan-by-plan level. All the plans have their idea of approximately how much money you potentially could need to pay for college. What you're gonna find is the range is gonna be approximately 250000 and 450000 Like I said, it
0: varies from plan to plan. The cool thing about that is most families obviously are probably putting those contributions in of 50 here and a 1,000 there and things like that, but there are families that are in a position to do something sometimes much more significantly, and when you look at the benefits of the income tax deferral, tax-free, if used for education, the ability to change beneficiaries, you really can set up an educational legacy for future family members by setting it up properly. I know in my own case, when I set it up for my kids, I was the owner of the plan, but I had a family trust set up as the contingent owner. So then all my successor trustees could step in and take care of management of that if something happened to me. So with some planning, you can accommodate some pretty significant money to help future generations so it's just a great tool but again talk to your advisors about that it's not as simple as just boom you do it and it's done you really want to think it out and use some professionals to help guide you in that area so let's talk about that because we are gifting money if you're going to 400,000 or something like that obviously there might be some gift tax consequences can you talk about how the gift tax laws factor in?
1: Absolutely now when it comes to the contributions to the 529 Anybody can give anybody up to $14,000 per year and not report it. That's not exclusive to the 529. That's just across the board. But they allow you to make a special five-year forward gift for the 529 so that you can actually front load that 14000 per person. So that means that you can contribute. $70,000 for one person, husband and wife can do up to 140000 Now, the reason that's important is because there are no other options that allow you to front load your annual federal gift except the 529. You're not able to give a secondary gift if you max out that amount. But getting the money working for you as early as possible in a tax-deferred way is significantly going to improve your chances to have as much money to pay for college as you possibly can. So once again, $14,000, you can take advantage of the five-year forward gift, which is $70,000. Husband and wife is up to $140,000. And then you can even gift more than that. It just has to go against your lifetime gift exemption. A single person, that's $5.3 million. Husband and wife would be 10.6. But if those are the type of contributions that are going to be a possibility, I would definitely encourage you to work with a financial advisor because now this is factoring into your total financial plan. There are other things at play here. Are you going to be able to impact financial aid? Are you going to have estate planning aspects of gifts like that? Those type of significantly larger gifts are probably going to be helped along the way by working with a financial advisor as opposed to doing it yourself.
0: Yeah. And you want to look at even talking to your tax advisor, your legal counsel. When you get into those issues, it's really a collaborative team approach. I will say one of my biggest clients that we did 529 planning for, we had some significant estate planning issues that we were able to accomplish. And we also made a big difference in the overall income tax situation. There was many different fronts where you were able to take advantage of, while at the same time really setting up an educational legacy for that family. So these tools go far-reaching depending on the family circumstances. One last thing I want to ask you today, and I know there are some significant benefits to a 529 compared to the traditional UTMA and UGMA accounts, which is the Unified Transfer and Unified Gift to Minors Act, where you can set up accounts for kids. Those, I know, if a kid has some money in one of those accounts, that goes right on the financial aid application and will count against them for getting financial aid. Tell the audience what the difference would be then having a 529 plan as opposed to one of those more traditional type accounts.
1: Absolutely. Now, when you're thinking in terms of uh, financial aid on the FAFSA form, there are two type of contributions. You have the parental contribution and the student contribution. The parental contribution in terms of assets, they can count up to a 5.6%. So the 529 would be considered a parental asset. But just to put that in perspective, If you add $100,000 in the 529, that means approximately 5600 would be factored into the equation to determine your expected family contribution, and that means approximately 93,000 in change is able to be used to pay for school. That's not factoring in, and that can be used to pay for school tax-free. Now, in terms of the student contribution, that can count up to 50% if it's counted as income. So one of the biggest misnomers is, should the parent own the account, or should the grandparent own the account? The parent owns the account, it counts that five point six percent towards the equation. If the grandparent owns the account, it does not. But this is where people get tripped up all the time. If it's a grandparent owned five twenty nine and you take a distribution from that to pay for school, that amount of money Counts as student income for the calculation the following year so it may seem like it's the right thing to do but ultimately you could be costing yourselves more financial aid because if the amount of that distribution is significant it counts 50% towards that student asset the following year that amount could be higher in that calculation than that 5.6% as the parental asset
0: so if the parent owns it and there's a distribution it does not count
1: No, it
0: doesn't. Okay, so that's a significant difference. That's why it's so important to not do this stuff alone. The other thing, too, is is let's say the grandparents do have that account, and maybe you have enough money to pay for two years of college education. Well, there's a little strategy planning because maybe you're better off borrowing the money or taking whatever opportunities there are to get outside help for the first two years and then have grandma and grandpa's 529 plan that they set up for the grandchild use that for the second two years. So a lot of times I see people they go it alone they just draw the money out and they don't know any of the consequences and that's why it's important to plan ahead and get the most benefit out of this. Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time. You shed a lot of light, and hopefully our listeners gained a lot from your knowledge. Hopefully, if they don't have a 529 plan now, they'll set one up. If they do, maybe they'll make another contribution. So thanks, Jeff.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really
0: appreciate it. 529 plans are intended to be used only to save for qualified higher education expenses and are not intended to be used, nor should they be used, by any taxpayer for the purpose of evading federal or state income taxes or penalties. State tax laws and treatment may vary. Earnings on non-qualified distributions will be subject to income tax and a 10% federal penalty tax. Please consult your advisor for more information. This material does not constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice, and neither John Hancock nor its agents, employees, or registered representatives are in the business of offering such advice. It was not intended or written for use or cannot be used by any taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding any IRS penalty. Anyone interested in these transactions or topics should seek the advice based on his or her particular circumstances from independent professional advisors. If your state or your designated beneficiary state offers a 529 plan, you may want to consider what, if any, potential state income tax or other benefits it offers before investing. State tax or other benefits should be one of the many factors considered prior to making an investment Investment decision. Please consult with your financial tax or other advisor how these state benefits, if any, may apply to your specific circumstances. You also may contact your state 529 plan or other 529 college savings plans to learn more about these features. Please contact your financial consultant or obtain a plan disclosure document or prospectus for any underlying funds. The plan disclosure document contains complete details on investment objectives, risk, fees, charges, and expenses, as well as more information about municipal fund securities, and the underlying investment companies that should be considered before investing. Please read the plan disclosure document carefully prior to investing. 5.9 plans are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank or state guaranteed. Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the Real Wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your Real Wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button.